We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI, I. Too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on Geico.com you can save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Thursday, August 27th. I'm Clay Link, joined as always by Jake Latarski. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Jakeski52. I'm at Clay W. Link. This podcast is now available for subscription on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us a nice review. If you happen to be listening on those platforms, <clears throat> Jake, you know I'm a big baseball guy. Uh, this draft season, more so than in past years, has really crept up on me. <clears throat> I got a couple drafts this weekend. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been doing some MFL stuff, but uh, really got to start hitting the books, get 
completely up to speed and know who I want to target in those later rounds. What about you? You got any drafts this weekend? I mean, this is big-time crunch time for uh, guys like you and I where we have baseball leagues that we're trying to cash in and at the same time got to get ready for football leagues. So it's all about finding a balance. Uh, For example, I do have a draft this weekend. I'm picking fourth overall, which is really – I mean, it's with uh, Rotowire Office, guys, so – is it that sixteen teamer? Yeah, it's a sixteen yeah. teamer. So I'm thinking, Ooh. well, man, do I do I take uh, like Eddie Lacy or Jamal Charles there if he's there? I think uh, I think if Adrian Peterson falls to me, I, I'm very, I'll probably take him uh, just because it's only a half point PPR. But mm-hmm. there's there's interesting cases to be made for players like Odell Beckham and Rob Gronkowski at four overall. But if I don't grab a running back there, I think I just don't think I'll be able to produce really at that position much uh, for the rest of the season because I'll be sitting there with uh, pretty much a Tier 3 or a Tier 4 back, and they'd be stretching yeah. it at that point. That's true. I mean, there's those top you know, four or five backs on the board are very hard to pass up, especially in a league that deep. Mm-hmm. We'll say, though, that, uh, you know, Roadwire president, Peter Shanky, I mean, I'm not, not trying to kiss ass here or anything, but he had a very good article on the site published three days ago. I'd recommend checking out uh, Fantasy Football Draft Strategy, Dilemmas for 2015. Makes a very good case for taking receivers early. Mm-hmm. Um, they are safer. You know, well, yeah, they are safer, but, you know, he makes a good point, too, that they, there's more of a dramatic drop off than I realized at wide receiver. You know, mm-hmm. the, there are guys like, you know, Macklin, uh, Golden Tate, and those, those kinds, of Brandon Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, the top 10 guys, top 8 to 10, yeah. are all really solid. Oh, they're all really Solid, great. safe yeah. picks, but you're right. They do kind of fall off Like, off after, like, bit. 16, they yep. fall off mm-hmm. a fair amount. And I think he makes a good point, too, that, you know, mixing and matching running backs is a lot easier than mixing and matching receivers because you're going to leave points on your bench if you're mixing and matching, you know, these kind of second, third-tier wideouts, you know, playing the matchups, and then, you know, you, you miss out on one or two and – you don't get those points when when you're mixing and matching running backs. Uh, you know that they're going to you know have a certain workload that week, and so they're mm-hmm. they're they're much safer uh, on a on a week to week basis when you're mixing and matching and, and streaming those backs. Yeah, and then when you head into the first week of fab or waivers or however you want to play it, you know right away that you're going to get that first running back whose job turns out to be more than everyone thought it would, mm-hmm. or someone goes down after your draft, uh, you know right away that you're you're targeting that certain player on the waiver wire to get you going. So I guess you can almost do the same with wide receivers, but it's not a direct correlation. If a receiver goes down, his reps are going to be spread across three or four guys, where if a running back goes down, you know who their backup is and, and where they're going to be getting all those reps from. So you have a little bit better of a chance when to go out as far as fab bidding or, or a high waiver claim. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that you know, a potential zero wide receiver approach. And I thought it was interesting. But again, the the drop off at the position and the fact that, you know, I don't want to be mixing and matching all year. I'd rather get two elite guys that you know you're going to have in there week to week. Uh, and then maybe you can mix and match on the third and the flex. But, uh, <clears throat> and then, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, you're, you can still get a, a good back off the waiver wire. Or if you hit on even one of those lottery ticket backs in the middle rounds, mm-hmm. uh, you're in a great spot. But Yeah, that's how people win leagues. Exactly. And we'll get to our big news of the day here. Martavis Bryant facing a four-game suspension for violating uh, substance abuse policy. Now, this is something where, you know, there were kind of hints of this. Not necessarily that he was facing a four-game suspension, that, but that maybe he was in – uh, the Steelers' doghouse because he was listening behind Marcus Wheaton on the depth chart recently, mm-hmm. 
what, what kind of impact does this have on uh, the other receivers and, and Big Ben? I mean, I just want to echo the sentiments that have came out of Steelers camp with Big Ben talking up Marcus Wheaton during the offseason and, and Bryant, despite having the physical tools to be a a potential top receiver in, in the league even, uh, not just a big play guy. Despite all those physical tools and, and his solid performance last season, just wasn't seeming to get the opportunities that a guy like him would have maybe deserved. And even last year with him being on the inactive list for the first six weeks. So, I, I mean, that that might have something to do with uh, you know the off-the-field stuff that we don't always see behind the scenes. Of course, quite a bit speculating. You never really know for sure. Uh, as far as how this affects Big Ben, I mean, when he gets Le'Veon Bell back, he's still going to target him over 100 times this season. I'd say that's one of the safest bets. Like if, mm-hmm. if we do a future show on guarantees, 100 targets out of the backfield for Le'Veon Bell in 14 games, I'd be feel pretty safe with that. And, of course, D'Angelo Williams can have a role in the passing game. You look over to the tight ends, Heath Miller always is what he is. And then Antonio Brown, Marcus Sweeten, okay. Maybe Sammy Coates gets a little bit, a few more reps, Darius Hayward Bay. But I still think there's plenty of bullets in the gun that they're going to be able to get through those first four weeks without major issue. Now, turning to Mark, or, I'm sorry, Martavis Bryant, the average draft position um, starts to become a little bit uh, a little bit cloudy there, or convoluted. We're looking at 28th overall um, in terms of ADP. He's sitting right between Deshaun Jackson and Vincent Jackson right now. Among wideouts. That is, right. yeah, among yeah. wideouts. Yeah, no, I'm That's, sorry. That was creeping up, though, pretty yeah. high. Yeah, and it was starting to creep up. He was getting a lot of work as a trendy sleeper pick. I know we tried to talk him down earlier on the podcast because he's a great daily tournament play. But boom expecting, or bust. yeah, boomer bust. But expecting ten points a week from him all season long on your season long team, he's just not that type of player. Mm-hmm. He'll have a one catch twenty yard week, and he'll have a four catch one hundred twenty yard and a touchdown week. That's exactly. the type of player he is. So, I mean, if anything, maybe this will make him move down draft boards enough for me to consider it. But I'm still not as aggressive on him as some are, and I guarantee you that there's still going to be someone in your 10-12 team draft that is going to be high on him, maybe miss the news or or grab him. So uh, we are going to be talking about players that we won't be owning this year later in the podcast. I didn't put Martavis Bryant down because we've got plenty of Martavis Bryant discussion this year, but I'd say it'd be a rare set of circumstances where I would own a guy like that this season. Yeah, I mean, when you take out four games and the the kind of boomer bust nature that you alluded to, uh, I just don't really think it's worth, worth rostering him. That price would have to fall significantly, probably outside of the top 40 among wideouts. Like, it'd have to fall really far. Unfortunately, I did get him in one of my drafts already, but, uh, you know, I also got Devontae in that league, so I'm just calling it a wash at this yeah, point as far as go. luck goes. Yeah, as far as 40, I mean, Victor Cruz, Torrey Smith, Eric Decker, you're, you're putting him in that tier of players instead of, yeah. instead of the tier I mentioned earlier. So just kind of for some perspective for our listeners yeah and marcus wheaton definitely becoming a lot more interesting in light of this now just 12.2 yards per reception last year not you know through the roof or anything but decent target efficiency uh 53 catches on 87 targets a pair of scores the reason i did like brian moore you know this this fall and looking into this year you know i, I get that he was you know so dependent on that big play last year but i did think more more targets would go his way just with you know uh, you can't throw at Antonio Brown and, and Le'Veon Bell every time, so I thought uh, he would take on a larger role. Are you expecting Wheaton you know, at 24 to really be the, the number three option in this passing game? I, I mean, yeah, and right now Marcus Wheaton's sitting with an ADP of 70. That is going to be, whew, boom, yeah. on the rise. He'll be top 70 among wide receivers even, so that's lower than I thought, ADP 213. So 
really he was a player that was barely going off the board in a 10 teamer uh, earlier on in the year but now he's a player that needs to be drafted in just about all formats even even if you're one of those rare eight teamers you might as well grab someone at the end and see if he can really make the leap size wise doesn't do a whole lot for you at 511 182 so maybe not quite as many red zone targets I mean I'm looking last year and he uh, wasn't targeted a single time or inside the five-yard line in each of the last two seasons, but did get nine red zone targets last year, so maybe there. But especially if Bryant's out, and he was a popular red zone guy too just because of the size, maybe Wheaton works his way in there. I'm sure Brown gets his, and, and, and the running backs get theirs as well. Completely agree. We'll move on. Uh, the Browns' Johnny Manziel going to miss the final two preseason games. Has an elbow issue. You know, this is a situation where it sounds like they want to be extra cautious, uh, especially given the nature of the injury. Josh McCown unofficially named the week one starter. Coach Mike Pettin saying, quote, I think I've said it by not saying it. So, you know, with Manziel out, you know, I, I kind of had my eye on him as maybe a, a last round pick in my two QB league. But in light of this, is there uh, any format that you see him being a justifiable pick? Yeah, I mean, you might hear Eric and I talk about Johnny Manziel on, on one of the Tuesday Waiver Wire podcasts about week, somewhere between week 8 and 11, maybe. But as far as standard drafts, I think unless you're great, 16 teams or greater and in two-quarterback league, that I see very little reason to go ahead and snatch a guy like Johnny Manziel. It's just he's not going to start. They never planned on him starting all year. Mike Patton has actually had good things to say about the improvements that he's shown both on and off the field this year. He's not making headlines in a negative way, and that's a great start. And he has been quite a bit more efficient uh, so far in the first two preseason preseason games. The yards per attempt aren't quite where you'd like to see it, uh, a starting quarterback yet, but uh, considering the type of quarterback he is, a lot of people are going to excuse that. However, I feel like Josh McCown's going to roll, and he's going to go, and maybe the conversation will come up down the road if if McCown does something like Hoyer did last year where he throws two or six picks in two games and doesn't lead a single touchdown drive over that span but it would have to get that bad for McCown and I think their offense is uh steadily slowly maybe improving enough that um, McCown can just can just kind of stalemate because this is a team and now I mean it's very hard to win without a franchise quarterback in the NFL but this team is built to do just that they're built based on defense and they're built to run the football so if any system can do that without a top tier quarterback it's the Browns and I think the way Josh McCown was able to kind of skate along in Chicago and Tampa Bay in his his two recent stints I think he's got just enough to hang on to that starting job for the majority of the season now maybe there'll be a role for Manziel elsewhere in special packages Uh, of course if if McCown gets hurt then it's the Johnny Manziel show immediately so yeah you take he's probably one of the top top 10 backup quarterbacks so you rank your 32 quarterbacks, and then you maybe go the next 10, 15, and you find Manziel in there somewhere, but that's not quite enough to draft him for me. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I took him with the last pick, number 20, uh, 20th round in uh, one of those MFL, you know, draft-only leagues, just because I feel like Manziel will get a chance. He's probably good for like one or two big games. Not somebody I'm going to be looking at as, you know, in, in most season-long leagues where uh you know, even half of a season would be optimistic as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, it, it may be slow. I mean, we saw his struggles last year. I think expect him to be better. And his rushing ability does help his, his prospects. But uh, just the uncertainty, I mean, 
I think a lot of people got burned last year and uh, definitely want to prevent it against, you know, even rostering him because even rostering him for a week or two is, uh, you know, sets you back a little bit. Might as well take mm-hmm. a flyer on some, some other position yeah. player that might pan out. Uh, but also in Cleveland, Dwayne Bow has a hamstring injury, but gearing up to play Saturday, I don't want to talk about Dwayne Bow. But while we're on the topic of the Browns, Jake, I just want to know, which back, I, think, I know you kind of hinted that you're not uh, super high on Duke Johnson, but which back uh, in Cleveland do you like the most this season? I mean, this would be great candidates for players I will not own this year later in the show, but I'll go ahead and give it the quick rundown here. Isaiah Crowell is the leading candidate there. Terrence West has had his his fair share of, uh, you know, some say maturity, some say just picking things up, some might even say pass protection or fumbling. But uh, he's had his fair share of issues that Crowell's winning the job by default there. That seems to be all indication out of Cleveland. So if you have to take it back, I'd say Crowell. I know Duke Johnson is getting a lot of sleeper attention, especially in PPR formats, but he's been injured for the better part of camp on and off as well as the preseason hasn't seen a ton of preseason action yet so for a rookie like that I'm not quite ready to use a draft position on him even if it's a late round flyer just because I don't think he has enough reps in the offense and Mike Patton is has been historically a little bit tough on rookies if they have a bad practice or whatnot and we could see what we saw last year I mean with Alex Mack back the offensive line is going to be a lot better but at the same time that's a running back situation that's going to be almost like uh, the old school Bill Belichick days where you just, or, or even the current Bill Belichick days where you just don't know whose job it's going to be. And there's no true standout back either physically or experience wise that has the head in that job. Uh, again, if I had to pick someone, it'd be Crowell, but I'm not really advocating stretching or, or even making him a part of your draft plans in this season. Yeah. Johnson's had that hamstring issue and has missed a lot of important work in camp. Uh, window to possibly overtake Crowell, definitely closed, I'd say, now for the week one assignment as mm-hmm. far as starting goes. But, uh, you know, I, I do like him for PPR. And as far as, you know, rookie backs who uh, can take flyers on, I mean, if you miss out on, well, Yeldon's not really a flyer, but if you miss out on, say, David Cobb or somebody, I, I think Johnson's right right behind there as far as uh, lottery tickets go. Because, And I also think he has a decent floor in PPR just given his ability as a pass catcher. We'll be watching, though, when the regular season starts, if he is, you know, their regular kick returner. Because if so, that kind of indicates to me that, you know, may not have a huge role in that offense. But for the Bills, E.J. Manuel announced as the starter for Saturday's preseason game against Pittsburgh. You reading anything into this, Jake? Not regular season-wise, but of course, if you're gearing up to play some preseason DFS on DraftKings, that makes E.J. Manuel a pretty, I'd say, an overall reasonable pick on that because he's some of course everyone's the same price just a quick uh, rules refresher there um, in that respect but I mean EJ Manuel had a pretty solid effort uh, in the last preseason game against the Browns I mean 9 for 14 for 111 yards and a touchdown no interceptions he was sacked three times so maybe needs to do a little bit job of better job avoiding pressure but you know part of that's on the offensive line as well so you can't look too far into that Uh, as far as regular season goes I'm not I'm not really looking into it uh, to start. It's a quarterback situation that I'm staying away from, to be honest with you, until there's more concrete data. And even though they do have weapons like Sammy Watkins and Robert Wood there, I just I'm not I'm I'm not particularly confident about any quarterback there and their fantasy prowess. However, if they're gonna give him the start and week three is supposed to be the dress rehearsal of the preseason you might want to consider throwing him in those DraftKings lineup because if you get a half a play out of a quarterback, I mean 
They're not going to award you points for completion percentage. You want to get reps, you want to get yards, and you want to get opportunities to score. And I think, uh, I mean, against the Steelers' defense, pass defense that has kind of gotten weaker over the last couple years, there's a reasonable chance for him to put up some points in preseason DraftKings. Now, again, season-long formats, I don't look anything into this. No, definitely not. And I think it's wise to point out if you're looking at the DraftKings slate for Saturday, but he won't have Sammy Watkins. Uh, not expected to play. He's got a glute issue. Did return to practice, though. Uh, he may be without the likes of Percy Harvin and Robert Woods as well. I mean, Harvin's got a hip. Uh, both Harvin and Woods also did return uh, well, to individual drills. But I think, you know, Thursday we're looking at, at mm-hmm. Saturday kind of looking like a stretch that they're going to be able to suit up. Bryce Brown's got a hamstring. He returned to practice as well. we got some other quick hitters to get to. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Eddie Royal and Marquez Wilson all did not practice Thursday. Uh, Kobe Fleener, not likely to play in Saturday's preseason game against St. Louis. Calvin Johnson, likely to be rested for all or uh, most of Friday's preseason game against Jacksonville. Uh, Again, these are largely to file away for DraftKings purposes, Mm -hmm. but Darren McFadden, he's got a neck. Uh, Full participant Wednesday night's practice. Took second team reps after Joseph Randall. That's... Uh, that has some importance. I mean, I think we've all expected Randall to be the guy, but mm-hmm. uh, now it's really looking like that's you know kind of the formal uh, one-two there in Dallas. Devontae Parker, he's got a foot injury, likely to rejoin practice at some point next week, though likely on a limited basis. I think he's interesting. He, he's fallen to me in several of my drafts, even though you know for, for a rookie, I thought the hype would be a little higher. Do you think he has enough time to, to catch up, make up ground, the missed time in practice before week one? I mean, I like the guy enough to barely squeak him into my PPR top 200. I might have had him as high as the 175 range. But again, very, not not really all that confident because this foot injury went on for a long time and he hasn't really been able to practice with his teammates, get all the valuable reps that a rookie like him needs to get. Of course, uh, the classic example defying that logic is Odell Beckham last year with who dealt with a hamstring injury all of camp and then when he got to we all know what happens when he got to finally get uh unleashed in games there so I'm a little bit hesitant just because of how important those reps are but at the same time I think he has an opportunity to earn a prominent role and if you are taking him in the late rounds of drafts you can't really expect to use him I'd say in weeks until week somewhere in between week four and six because it'll basically be like his preseason these first few weeks to get as many practice reps in as possible before really being before I'd imagine at least that the Dolphins are really comfortable deploying him in a full uh full way I almost think of it as like uh you know Devonta Adams is a big time uh prominent prospect this year because of the Jordy Nelson thing but last year I mean Jared Boykin was starting over Devontae Adams for the first five six weeks of the season Adam had a couple he had a couple drops and then it took him till later on in the season to establish a little bit more rhythm and I kind of see that being the path that uh, Devontae Parker will take and again worth a late round flyer but you can't draft him <laughs> expecting him to be a wide receiver three in the first couple weeks of the season Oh, I, I completely agree. He was like my wide receiver six, which I was thrilled about. Oh, yeah, at a wide receiver six? Yeah, go for and it. a PPR, well. too. I was like, a PPR? Yeah. yeah, go get yourself some. Might as well. Even though, you know, that is kind of the case when in those later rounds I saw, too, where I needed some some backs, but these receivers kept falling. I was like, well, I don't want the guy behind me to get this guy, so I'm just going to keep stocking up on, mm-hmm. on wideouts. And finally, Toby Gerhardt, a.k.a. Toby Bearfart, unlikely to suit up Friday against Detroit. He's got an abdominal strain. Football season is just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. 
DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you can win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head over to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry. DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Jake, you're talking about the three players we won't be owning this year, and, you know, it's impossible to say, you know, at at this point, I'm not going to own any of these guys. But realistically, I mean, looking at their ADPs and, you know, weighing that versus our perceived value, uh, we, we can effectively rule a lot of these guys out from our uh, from our teams. But if, if you're going to say the number one guy that you won't be owning this year, who's it going to be? Well, the number one guy for me, or at least the number one quarterback for me that I know I won't be touching this year, is Peyton Manning of the Denver Broncos. I think it's finally time to jump ship on him before it's too late. This is going to be his age 39th season here. Uh, hasn't been particularly promising in the preseason. Of course, we all know that doesn't really mean a whole lot. But, I mean, yeah, he's the number three quarterback overall in terms of uh, NFFC ADP, right behind Roger, or Luck and Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I just can't take him as the number three quarterback. I'm surprised the owners in these high-stakes leagues are. Personally, I prefer both Ben Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson this year. I still like Big Ben uh, as a quarterback, even with the Martavis Bryant suspension looming. And, of course, Russell Wilson giving you those rushing yards and has another big weapon in Jimmy Graham. So I like those guys both a lot better. Again, Peyton Manning, uh, no Julius Thomas this year, uh, age 39. And I just noticed this when I... uh, um, pulled up his player page just to kind of look at the recent year in stats to see if there's been a noticeable decline at all. I mean, significantly less yards last year. His uh, completion percentage has gone down uh, in back-to-back years now, and he hasn't quite uh, – I mean, he attempted a lot of passes still, uh, but the yards per attempt is also down in back-to-back seasons, uh, you know, since that spectacular 2012 with Denver. And, again, what I was getting to before is I didn't notice this, but uh, his recent update we have on him, according to Sports Illustrated, he can't feel the fingertips in his throwing hand, which apparently this isn't really news because it's been going on for a bunch of years. But, man, that just sounds like an old man to me, and I hate to say it, but I, I think Peyton Manning's days of fantasy relevance are, are winding down. If he's going to have one more year, probably this year. But, again, I, I just don't think that his ceiling is nearly as high as it's been for the last several seasons. And I – Again, this is, it would have to get to like round eight, nine, or ten for me to even actually consider it. I, I'm that mm. I'm, I'm that pessimistic about it. And of course, you hate to see it happen to these all-time greats, kind of at, at the bottom of their career. But this is fantasy, and we're trying to build the best team possible. And I just I think his average draft position is going to greatly exceed uh, what my perceived value of him is. Yeah, same here. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. And. Uh, you know, they got Kubiak in there now. I really do think this is we're going to see this team shift to a far more run-heavy approach. Uh, yeah, I just don't trust Manning. And this numbness in his fingers, business as usual, how he described it. But it's like, I mean, we, we've seen you know some of that zip on the on the ball. He was never really like a power arm or anything. Some of that tail off as well as the accuracy. I've seen him throw a lot of bunnies the last yeah. couple of years. Not always, but every once in a while, it's just like, whoa, did an NFL quarterback make that throw? Yeah, and I think that's all the reason, uh, all the more reason to avoid him. I mean, not just given the age and, I mean, great receiving core, but I do think the offense, the, the philosophy is going to shift. 
I have Drew Brees on my list at number two, but this is mainly just uh, a philosophical type of thing, and it's in in the line in the same vein as not drafting Manning. But if I miss out on Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers, I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I do like Roethlisberger, but uh, most of the times that he would fall to me, I, there'd be just better position players on the board that I'd want to you know stock up on. So I'd just pass on him. He'd end up getting taken shortly thereafter. I'm waiting, you know, until I get maybe an Eli Manning, uh, Tony Romo type guy. I mean, heck, even, I mean, I hate to say it, Colin Kaepernick even, somebody like that. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, Teddy Bridgewater's been amazing so yep. far this preseason. Completion percentage, like, near 80%. He said mm-hmm. his goal this season is 70%. Not really realistic, but had a mark right around 65% last mm-hmm. year. And, you know, he, he is just so accurate. I think... Uh, well, he may not be an elite fantasy guy. His accuracy with his passing is going to help him uh, maintain a pretty high floor throughout the entire season. I think week to week, he's a guy you're going to be able to bank on for 15 to 20 fantasy points. And uh, Again, I just think Breeze, as much as I like the guy and think he's a good quarterback, I just think if you miss out on those two, it's wise to... You know, let somebody else pay pay their fourth or fifth round pick on a guy like Breeze. I'm right there with you with that strategy. I think those two quarterbacks, Luck and Rodgers, are in a tier of, of their own. And if I miss out on those guys, I'm probably looking to grab Tony Romo maybe in in sixth, seventh round to see if he's there. And if I miss out on him, I'm probably looking towards guys like Teddy Bridgewater or even Sam Bradford who are sitting in the 18, yeah. 19, 20 ADP range right now. And I think if I take two of those uh, like low value, high upside picks. One of them will be at least be serviceable for me this year. And again, with quarterbacks, you always know the margin between number one and number twelve is a whole lot thinner than it is at any other position. So just something Absolutely. to keep in mind. Um, Who else you got on this list? Yeah, on this list, uh, I hate to do this coming out of Badger country, but uh, I'm going to pick a running back that I probably won't be own, owning this year, and that's Melvin Gordon. Right now, his uh, average draft position is uh, 13th among running backs, and he's been getting a lot of hype as the guy in, in San Diego. But at the same time, there's been reports about him struggling in pass protection. Doesn't, wasn't really asked to do that a whole lot at Wisconsin, so it's something he's kind of learning, and I know that that's been a main culprit of keeping young running backs off the field and I'm not saying that this will happen or that he won't pick it up but if it's not quite there I mean they have experienced running backs in Danny Woodhead Donald Brown and of course we saw what Brandon Oliver could do he was such a hot waiver wire pickup last year and of course not saying he's going to suffer Monte Ball syndrome but he did carry the ball excuse me 631 times in college and uh just a whole lot of I believe it was like 280 of those were last season I guess last time I checked uh, so overall, I'm a little bit worried about him. I think he's being drafted a little bit higher than where he needs to be. I know a lot of people fell into that Monte Ball trap uh, a season ago or, or two seasons ago, really. But I think Melvin Gordon will, could definitely be good in one or two years' time. But I just think the ADP right now is just uh, a little too high for me, which is why I'm probably going to pass. Mix that with the fact that I'm a UW alum, and I'm going to be drafting with a lot of UW alums in the state of Wisconsin, and that's a name that people recognize and want to snatch off the board right away. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be taken even higher than his 13 overall ADP. Because I mean, just looking at the ADP right now, I know uh, uh, some running backs such as Justin Forsett, Arian Foster, still over him. Uh, Jer- I mean, Jeremy Hill, I like a lot. Number 10. I mean. People up here in Wisconsin in those leagues are probably going to get Melvin Gordon even before then. So for that reason, I'm not particularly low on Melvin Gordon. I still think he has a chance for maybe a 
eight to nine hundred, seven, eight touchdown season. I'm just tempering my expectations a little bit. That's me personally. There's just too much depth there and uh, a lot to learn for the young guy. See, I, I respect you know your your opinion and, and see where you're coming from with all those points, but I, I, I'm kind of on Melvin Gordon. I mean, not just given the talent, but I think maybe the concerns with pass protection uh, have lowered the price to where you know I'm kind of on board. I could see him being a top ten guy uh, at the running back position. I've had uh, found myself having a hard time passing on him in twelve team leagues when I pick first. I did it a couple times. Pick first. I think I picked first like three times already so far. And on that, that reverse swing, you know, yeah. at, at the 2-3 turn, That's tough. Uh, he, he's still available. And, you know, I'd rather have a guy like Brandon Cooks, mm-hmm. probably even like Jordan Matthews. But if those guys are there and I'm looking at Golden Tate, or if those guys are gone and we're looking at like Golden Tate, uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders I might have to take. But I think Gordon, uh, especially if running backs are flying off your board, I think that's the thing people need to – definitely keep in mind is that you know you don't want to you don't want to follow suit with what the rest of your league is doing in your draft but if running backs are flying off the board which is what I've seen I think it'd be good to get at least one you know guy who could be a potential top 10 back uh, and then get two you know potential ace wideouts uh, just to hedge your bets a little bit because mm-hmm. again the, the drop off of wide receiver is significant but it's also pretty Pretty darn significant at the running back position as well. So, yeah. And Gordon's uh, right on that line where mm-hmm. the drop-off is. He's kind of flirting with that line for me. But, I mean, I know in the office stake league auction, he went for $41, yeah, which no, is that's... on a $200 budget, which is just something that I can't bring myself around to pay for. And uh, I guess just waiting to see how it plays out here. Yeah. But uh, I went, I went just so you listeners know, in one league, one league I did pass on him. There were several leagues I did pass on Gordon. But then one league I went... Antonio Brown, Andrew Luck, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, which, is a, which I think is a solid fine. foundation. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't typically ever do that where I get, you know, one of each right away, but I just thought uh, the value on those guys was, was too high. And I'm kind of in the same boat with a couple other running backs. Mm-hmm. Just in that, I think they're being taken far too high. Frank Gore, Amir Abdullah. You know, I know some people are coming around to Abdullah at his, you know, new, what, like late third, early third even. Uh, fourth round ADP, but I'm just, you know, without the the firm set role and with Joy Bell not, you know, out for an extended period of time currently, I just don't really see any reason to be drafting Abdullah that high. And Gore, even in that offense, at his age, I just do not see him, um, you know, exceeding a thousand yards. Maybe he scores eight TDs, but I think the the rushing total will disappoint. Mm-hmm. And I'm in agreement with you on Gore. I think he's probably reached that or past that prime of his career where he can be depended on for a thousand yards or to even have a chance at double digit touchdowns. And yeah, just the way Indianapolis has been unable to run the ball with any consistency over the last several seasons makes me worry a whole lot about Frank Gore. Abdullah. Yeah. I think the third round is quite a bit too high, but if he gets late fourth, early fifth, I'm going to jump on, I'm going to jump on it. I've just, uh, you know, Joy Bell's dealt with so many injuries over the course of his career, and even though he's expected to be healthy for week one, to me, I don't want to say taking time bomb. Maybe that's a little bit too harsh because I've definitely seen it worse. He's no, it's not like he has the hamstrings of Miles Austin or anything, but at the same time, a lot of injuries, and maybe that's been a good thing for him just uh, to limit the carry workload. But from what I've seen out of Amir Abdullah in the preseason and, and the way that backfield is going to be set up, I don't think that just one back 
carries the whole thing and Abdullah's the young fresh legs that could potentially give the Lions offense a booth. So but I are could, you spending a third on him? I'm not spending a third. I'd probably like you I said a fourth? Yeah, I would consider I might spend a fourth. A late would, fourth. Yeah, I was I gonna say a late fourth, early fifth is where I'm looking to take mm-hmm. him. So I couldn't quite bring myself to put him on the on the no draft list, but uh, at the same time I will temper my expectations. I don't think I think in in like a lot of the expert leagues that we do, he's gonna get taken pretty early in that mm-hmm. range but I think there's like certain leagues uh, maybe a hometown league or some friends leagues that you might be able to still find some value on him yeah I just I included him because uh, I've seen him going off the board flying off the board far uh, earlier than than his current ADP and it, it takes a while for ADP to catch up you know mm-hmm. especially in given you know when you're in these bigger money leagues these sharks want to want to jump on a guy like that uh, who has such high upside but I just see uh, a fairly low floor as well, but that's that's me. Who's the final guy on your list here? Well, the last guy I wrote down here is uh, maybe I'll take some heat for this. I guess we'll see, but I'm not real big on Sammy Watkins this year. I just I don't think that he's a top fifty player in terms of ADP. Not in my book. The guy's been banged up both of, most of camp, and I know he's got a full season under his belt, but he's still not quite getting the reps that he needs. I think I'm going to pass on him this year and probably try to target him a little bit more next year. I'm going to wait for that. I guess the the old the old saying or, or the studies that show the third year for receivers is a breakout campaign. And I think I'm going to wait on him until next year. I mean, uh, and one reason for that is the quarterback situation uh, worries me quite a bit. I mean, there's three different quarterbacks that can, could conceivably have a chance at taking that starting job. And, and that inconsistency just isn't great for a young receiver. And again, looking at his tier of receivers, he's right up there, uh, 23rd receiver off the board in NFFC leagues, right next to Amari Cooper. So those guys are kind of side by side. But then after that, you're looking at guys like Jarvis Landry, Brandon Marshall, Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson. I think a lot of those players are are safer in my book than Watkins. Of course, Jackson more of a big play threat. I know I'm personally a lot higher on Macklin than I am, uh, than a lot of people are, uh, just because of a lot of people seem to be down on him because of the Kansas City offense, how that's run. Alex Smith not throwing a touchdown to wide receivers, but I take Macklin first over Watkins in that situation, and I just. I'm probably passing this year. There's just too many things stacked against him, and uh, I, I this could be kind of a controversial statement, Clay. But are, are you with me? Like, what do you think about Sammy Watkins this year? Is he going too high, or is he just right? I like the talent, but I think the price is too high. I mean, I get in PPR, you know, should see a ton of targets, uh, but you know, what, what's he going to do with those targets? And uh, the quarterback situation there really does scare me. Plus, you know, with Rex Ryan, I think. Uh, the team's not going to even be throwing it as much as they did last year. I think they're going to be running it uh, a whole heck of a lot. And so uh, Watkins, well, he, you know, should be their, their top you know, red zone goal line passing option, I'd imagine, uh, and should see a fair amount of targets. I just think, you know, the upside is kind of capped, especially, you know, when you look at this guy, you probably think, oh, God, upside's through the roof. And I just don't think it's uh, quite as high as a lot of people think. If you've been, uh, if you're out this weekend and are, are drafting and you've been drinking, get a ride, call a cab, or find some other safe way home because getting arrested for drunk driving can cost you a lot more than an arrest and a fine. You could face legal fees, court costs, the loss of your license, and more. Right now, <clears throat> cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving, and they'll see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. It's time for our safe sleeper pick. Sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over, a handful of us will be downing beers at our fantasy drafts, which leads to bad decisions in the later rounds uh, or worse decisions like getting behind 
the wheel of a car. And some of our past selections for the safe sleeper pick, uh, Cecil Shorts, David Cobb, Ronnie Hillman, Doug Martin, like all those, uh, not as high on Hillman, but I do think he's a, a decent handcuff. Today's uh, pretty obvious in light of the Martavis Bryant news, Jake. It, it's Marcus Wheaton. Yeah, had to go Marcus Wheaton today. It seems to fit the perf- it fits the definition of safe sleeper pick just about perfectly because pretty much locked in at number two on the depth chart, has the favor of the coaching staff as opposed to Bryant, even when Bryant does get back. And I'm sure Antonio Brown will get somewhere between 130 and 150 targets this year, if not maybe a little bit more. But at the same time, there's going to be some for Marcus Wheaton, especially early on when Le'Veon Bell isn't allowed or isn't around to pick up some of those targets. So I really like Wheaton. Uh, I think you could get for an ADP of 70 right now. Of course, that's going to be on the rise. I think the the window for you being able to get him uh, outside of the top 50 receivers on the board, that window is probably closed. But at the same time, I think uh, the way that he's positioned on the depth chart is is worth very reasonable. He'd be a solid wide receiver three. You might even be able to get away with wide receiver two, depending on how the situation goes. So I especially like him in those PPR leagues. I kind of see him as a little bit more of a, uh, I guess not, not more of a slot guy. It's tough to tell, but exactly how it's going to play out. But at the same time, yeah, you got to go for uh, a guy like that with the sleeper pick and you know, it's not going to be too long before you can hardly call him a sleeper anymore because he'll be a legitimate threat. Yeah, go out. If you already drafted, go out and, and add him right away for sure if he's still uh, lingering around the waiver wire. That'll do it for this episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Thank you for listening. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out Rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Thanks again for listening. Derek and Mario will be back with you on Friday. you go for love you steal truck bring it to me then you make your money is it dangerous of course it's dangerous nicholas holt felicity jones with ben kingsley and anthony hopkins all this trouble all this pain for love collide in theaters friday rated pg-13 may be inappropriate for children under 13 oh 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 o'reilly you need parts o'reilly auto parts has parts Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.